This is ground control to Major Nick. Uh, Nick here. Uh, tell tell your wife she loves you so. No, uh, you're supposed hmm. to tell me that you're you love your wife. Could, she knows. Could we do Rocket Man instead? Because I know that one better. You know that one. All right. Uh, I packed my bags hey. last night pre-flight. Yeah. yeah how's yes. your fuel? How's your yeah. fuel right now? Uh, and I forgot that line. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't remember. Sorry. All right. Well, should we send your kid so you can raise him? Yeah. No, Mars is. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to raise kids on Mars. I know. I couldn't. The thing is, it's like it's like trying to remember like a, a random letter, like its placement in the alphabet. You have to sing the whole thing. So you keep asking oh, okay. me things. Like I keep singing Rocket Man in my head. It was my suggestion. I can't do it. So I, I don't yeah, really. Mars know. ain't the kind of place to raise to a raise kid. a kid. Yeah. I, you know, Back. I was stuck on it's cold as hell, and I couldn't. It is. Yeah, I that's one of the reasons why you shouldn't it. raise your kid there. Yeah. I couldn't backtrack it. How are you this week, man? I'm good. Did you uh, did you enjoy your week off from the All the Book Show? Did I enjoy my week off from All the Book Show? You used all your vacation time, so that's that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, per contract, I get yeah. one week from the All the Book Show. Every, but in order to have that, yeah. I have to pre-record about two months worth of episodes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So yes, and then every every two hundred forty five episodes, you get uh-huh. to you get to just record an opening bumper to an episode. Yeah, but the rest yeah. of the time, so yeah. So it's going to be pretty sweet in another yep. 245 episodes when you get to when you get to take a little break. Yeah, it's weird. I've gone for a week and now uh, Amanda has just come in and taken my taken she my spot. Swooped right in. Well, you yeah. know, this was this was the year that I was going to try to do a Star Trek and Star Wars book club at the library and just sort of see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so we scheduled uh, the approaching storm because we had the interview with Alan Dean Foster and we talked about the book and everything. And that was one that was um, one of the ones that was more widely held in the system. So I thought, oh, that'll be a, that'll be a perfect Star Wars book club to, to kick us off with. But then here we are trapped at home. So yeah. Amanda and I are just going just gonna to talk about uh, The Approaching Storm and what we think about it. Now, have you read this one? No, I don't even know which one this is. This is a, uh, it's, I mean, we, we get into it in the episode, but it's a, it's a thing where it's supposed to sort of lead into Attack of the Clones. It's written right after Phantom mm. Menace before Attack of the Clone comes out. And it kind of introduces you to a teenage Anakin. It introduces you to Dooku, but well, <laughs> Dooku, you can, uh, you'll hear my feelings on it in, in a few minutes. There's but a that's, better uh, that's chance the that Kendra, your wife, wife, your wife yeah. has, has read that book because she was obsessed yeah. with the Attack of the Clones yeah. novelization. Yeah. So I don't think she has read this one, but there would have been a better chance that she had. Yeah. Because 2002, I mean, the whole thing about Attack of the Clones was that it, it was Star Wars, but it was also supposed to be a love story. <laughs> and so, like, they kind of, like, sold Swing it that way. Yeah. They were trying to also write, like, Spider-Man had done that with the big action, yeah. but also that core of romance. And yeah. it was all these, like, blockbusters trying to catch that, like, Titanic lightning in a bottle formula. And, I mean, obviously, right, you just said the, that the love part of Attack of the Clones is the worst part yeah. of the movie. It definitely is. I think in 2002, it I, it I think it took a minute for us to realize how bad Attack of the Clones was because I think that's it, true. I remember I, really liking it when it came out. Yeah, in theaters, I was I was all for it, and it yep. was like really like revitalized my love of Star Wars. Yeah, and then like it really did take a second to it was like wait a second. Yeah, you know it, that's sand. more recent. <laughs> I remember I remember thinking that was the best of the prequel trilogy for a long time. Yeah, and then in, in a more recent rewatch, I was like, oh no, this is the worst. This yeah. is worse than the Phantom Menace. This is terrible. When I recorded an episode of Three Nice Things, yeah, on 
Phantom Menace. And yeah. I did that with Kendra and her cousin. Yeah. And I had said, like, this is my least favorite of the prequels. I had done that. And then, like, the next day, we watched Attack of the Clones. And I had to get in the editing and just be like, uh, side note, Attack of the Clones is the worst one. Yeah. Because you forget it's true it's absolutely true so. uh, well t- you know here we are bashing star wars on on the most <laughs> sacred of star wars holidays may the 4th that's true may um, the 4th do you have any are you doing any star wars related activities today on may the 4th i don't know you know they just put i think this is the day they put rise of uh skywalker on disney plus oh so i was thinking uh i mean my wife would love it if we like rewatched the new trilogy the only one i've rewatched has been the first one Force Awakens. Force Awakens. Yeah. So it'll be neat to watch all three of them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not not all three today, but maybe we start that today. Sure. We were so. planning to we were planning to watch Empire Strikes Back with our son, who is uh, just about turning six. Mm. We watched we watched Star Wars together, and he did enjoy it for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. So we'll see how this goes. And then my wife and I were going to try to. Uh, finish up star wars rebels at least the season that we're on i think maybe we're one season okay. behind but yeah so we we're planning to do that today i am wearing a star wars shirt oh. uh so you know oh, i'm just wearing pretty, my red hot chili pepper pretty shirt. celebratory but amanda and i are going to get into we're going to talk a little bit about some star wars games uh yeah. some, some favorite star wars books you and... talked about star wars games when hey, i was man, not there i i i wanted you there i wanted you there oh. do you want tell me your favorite star wars game knights of the old republic okay uh the, the first one is one of my favorite games of all okay. time. The Knights of the Old Republic was was awesome and kind of showed me how cool Star Wars is beyond the movies. Yeah. So that's absolutely one of my favorite okay. games. All right. Well, I, I think I only vaguely mentioned that because I do have it on my Xbox One. It was yeah. a special, but I haven't I haven't gotten into it yet. Well, I was a huge I knew, fan of I knew like Baldur's like Gate and Icewind yeah. Dale and yeah. those type of Bioware games. So when they were doing that with the star wars license i'm like i gotta get this yeah. i almost bought an xbox on ebay without having the money to pay for it i almost won a bid that came with that and the game and i had to go <laughs> find my mom i'm like mom i'm in the winning bid right now and i don't have the money <laughs> so you luckily, know that's bid <laughs> i can relate because just yesterday i was looking up used xbox 360s so i can play that star trek game nobody likes oh my goodness <laughs> but, but Cooler heads prevailed. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, it's not the time to talk about Star Trek because it is Star Wars Day. So uh, sh- should we get into it? Yeah. All right. Welcome to episode 245 of the All the Books Show, normally recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library, now recorded from the comfort and spotty internet connection of our own homes. Uh, Eric is not with us today, but don't worry, it is just a scheduling snafu. He will be back next week uh, when we talk to actor John Davies, so it's an exciting episode coming up. But today, we have a special guest host filling in, our old friend Amanda Smith. Amanda, happy Star Wars Day. Happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. I don't know, how long has this been going on? Do you, do you remember when this first started being a thing, people say? Because I feel like it was relatively recent. I have no idea, but I did hear a very interesting response to May the 4th be with you. As really? opposed to, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the phrase goes, may the force be with you. Yeah. And in this case, the response is, but beware the revenge of the fifth. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. We've been, uh, we've been watching a <laughs> yeah, lot of, we've been watching a lot of Star Trek while at home. And my son was like, why isn't there a Star Trek day? And I was like, well, what if we just said, make it so. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> this is this is your third time on the show, Amanda. We we talked Star Wars in the first. We figured this out last time in the first like 
10 or 20 episodes of the podcast years ago. We were doing The Force Awakens, like that was yeah, prepping to come out. Right. And we had talked a bit about how they were making changes to yes. the, the series. That's right. And we That's had right. in a lot of the expanded universe, yeah. Yeah. And then we had recently you joined us for one of the Off the Books episodes where we've been doing little uh, in-between episode interviews. But here you are uh, back on, on a proper episode. And today we're going to be talking about the Alan Dean Foster Star Wars novel, The Approaching Storm. Don't give anything away now because we're not, we're not there yet. We can't talk about it yet. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's open up the old book, see where the bookmarks are, see what we've been reading, what we've been watching. Uh, what about you? Last last time we talked, you were you were deep into an anime hole. Are you still uh, you still in the in the anime zone? I am still there. I'm into the last season of the series Ruby. Yeah, that I was watching before. Yes, I recall. It's an interesting series. It's got like seven seven seasons. Wow. Okay. Which they've compiled together on YouTube. Anyone's interested in watching them there? Okay. And it follows like four main characters and just. So their their ultimate goal is to become huntresses and try and help save the world essentially, oh, okay. and defeat the Grim, and it just follows all of their exploits and their kind of unification as a team and a lot of the different challenges, both individually and as a group, that they have to face as they're going along. So it's got a really interesting character arc for each different character oh. and helps to develop all of those and just follow varying themes on that and just where they fall. Now this is a this is a relatively recent show, right? I mean, the last ten years or so. I think it came out or started coming out in two thousand and thirteen. So okay. yeah, it's right. yeah, it's pretty good. Okay. I mean, typically anime is not my thing, but oh, okay, a chance and it's good. So what about this one piqued your interest? Why did you decide to watch it? Uh, a friend of mine has like a boatload of board games and had pulled uh, one that was based on this series out and was talking about the storyline and the characters and everything. And with the onset of the pandemic, I was like, well, you know, I have lots of time. Right. So yeah. <laughs> I might as well. Uh, I figured I might as well at least give it a try. And if I didn't like it, no harm, no fall. But it turned out that it was really interesting. So I've been following through the whole series. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, it's always fun to find a new show. Uh, you mentioned games. Yeah. Remind me, remind me of a situation we had last night here at my house. Uh, we did a, <laughs> it, it was called an online escape room that we did with uh, my wife and I and then her, her sister and uh, her sister's husband. And it was a thing where it was like there was a murder on an airplane and we had to figure it out. And we were, we were, oh, trucking, yeah. we were trucking along pretty well. There were like nine sets of clues and it was like, you know, images and, and uh, like police reports and, you know, eyewitness statements and that sort of thing. And you had to sort of parse from that a clue to open up the next batch of clues. And mm -hmm. so we were a couple of hours in and we got to clue seven and we figured it out. And the website that was hosting this crashed. And so oh. I, mean, I know. So at first we thought oh. it, it was just uh, the shoddy Internet that's at my house, as you can attest to. But, yeah, yeah. you know, we, we checked and it was like, no, in fact, those servers actually were down. So hours in, seven out of nine clues, and we had to just stop. That's I, so I, I, I still don't know who killed Avery Stone. So <laughs> that's eaten so away So it doesn't me. keep your progress at all? You can't just, like, pause and then go back to it at some point? I don't know. I, that's, what, that's what we weren't sure about. I mean, we had a unique password, so it seems likely that we'd be able to go back to it. But it's also, like, timed, so... I don't know. Uh, okay. I don't know. So that's that's the next mystery we have to figure out is how to continue this uh, this murder mystery. So I mean, it was fun. We had a good time. Is there has there been any other things that you've been discovering uh, while while you're trapped away? Any other things? Any games you've been doing? Uh, you know, at a distance or anything like that? So in regard to Star Wars Day, actually, Perfect. my brother and I were talking last night. Yeah, yeah. 
it's a, it's a good time. My brother and I were talking last night about how we could play a Star Wars card game that we've been playing since we were kids like the, in a socially the, manner. The collectible card game? Star Wars Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah, like, I, oh l- listen, I know it's Star Wars Day, but I was deep into the Star Trek version of that when I was in college. Uh, okay. Our whole floor played, and it became... I mean, it was like Pogs for a new generation. It was like we we all played it. We nice. all loved it. It's all right. Well, you'll have to keep me posted. You have to keep me yeah. posted if you make this work. Um, I'm still, yeah. as as I mentioned on our last uh, last episode together, I'm still doing some mobile games. Uh, I've got quite a kingdom going in Scrabble Go. A lot, lot nice. of friends, <laughs> a lot of friends, including Eric. Eric finally hopped on board. So we've been playing Scrabble uh, across the way. And then my brother and I are still playing a game called Blackmore Two, which is just an old school side scroller beat 'em up kind of game that we can play co op on our phones. So that's been really fun. Um, but but that's about it for me as far as things we've been trying like from a distance. We did do some movie nights and that sort of thing. But you know, I mean, crazy times. I got nothing new to add to it. It's just. Uh, just a thing we're all going through. Uh, yep. Yeah. Same old, same well, old. Okay. What about what about books? About have books you, you yeah. Books? Yeah. <laughs> same thoughts. We had the exact <laughs> same thoughts there. Uh, you know, okay. I have been sticking almost exclusively to like book comfort food. You know, I had okay. to read I had to read Howard's End for our for the library book club a while back. And so I read that, but since then, I've been kind of rotating uh, Star Trek, Star Wars, and I'm currently reading a murder she wrote. So uh, nice. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of graphic novels and a lot of those. I, I read a uh, Star Trek book recently called The Ladder Fire, which was pretty good, and okay. it was actually set during the time of the animated series, which made it kind of interesting because I never, I never read a book that was set during that time and it used characters that were original to the animated series. So, you know, that was kind I of. Never a, seen it series you know it's weirdly good because it's it's the the whole original cast except for Chekhov doing the voices they're 30 minute episodes um and they're just like you get in you get out and it's you know there's no filler or anything I think it's actually kind of an underrated series we're gonna be talking Alan Dean Foster in a little bit when we get to the segment but Alan Dean Foster actually wrote novelizations of all the animated series episodes uh because the company that had locked down all the rights to Star Trek did not lock down rights to novelizations. And so another company, Bantam, was able to secure those rights and they hired Alan Dean Foster to write those. And so he did a novel that was like three animated episodes per novel. He did 10 or 12 of those logs. And that was one of the things that propelled him into the Star Wars world because he had experience doing these novelizations and things. So that kind of kicked off his uh, career with Star Wars. So cool. anyway, that was that cool. book was called uh, The Ladder Fire that I just finished by James Swallow. Uh, pretty decent. Are you a comic book reader? Not typically. No. Yeah. Okay. I read a few. I read a few that I sort of liked. I was in an Incredible Hulk mood, so I read a okay. bunch of Incredible Hulk on Marvel Unlimited, and that was kind of fun. There's a there's a whole arc where there's a new a Red Hulk that shows up, and it's a whole thing where he goes after the Hulk, and you don't know who the Red Hulk really is, and it's like six or seven volumes of of this going on. <laughs> And I started this forever ago, and I finally finished that. Uh, I moved on to some She-Hulk, written by uh, Fred Van Lenty, who's an author Eric and I interviewed, I want to say, last year. So some, okay. some cool stuff in there. Currently, I'm reading Murder, She Wrote, A Time for Murder. Are, are you a mystery fan overall? Do you like mysteries? I would say no, but okay. I'm currently reading Murder on the Orient Express. Oh, so a little Agatha Christie. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah. And so I far, found so it on good? TV. Yeah, it is. Like, I know the storyline, so, I mean, I already know the ending and everything. But um, yeah. I haven't actually read or listened to the book in total. Okay. So I figured I would do that. And I was I haven't seen the the newer film adaptation no, that I they made either. a couple years, last year, a couple years ago. Yeah, I think it's been a couple years So ago. I was curious to see how much that correlated with the book itself yeah. and what kind of liberties they took and what it looked like. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I know. Have you read Agatha Christie before, or is this the first one you picked up? I think this is the first one that I've picked up. I'm not a big Agatha Christie fan, even though I am a, a mystery fan overall. I don't particularly like her style. She has a couple of plays that I like really well. It is a very interesting writing style, and it shifts a lot from the book I had read just before that. Okay. I read um, The Boys in the Boat. Okay. I don't know if you're familiar. It's a it's a nonfiction book by Daniel James Brown, and yeah. it's it follows competitive rowing. An eight oarsmen crew in the 1920s, 1930s, and their their attempts to just try and make it to the 1936 Olympics. And not being familiar with competitive rowing whatsoever, yeah, no, before I read it, I wasn't really sure I like it or anything. But I decided to give it a chance, okay. and he's really good at developing the characters and following along with what's going on in their lives and giving information about how competitive rowing works and what it looks like and a lot of the, the technical aspects of it, but not making it dry or boring. Wow. And then, you know, moving into, you know, what it takes to actually prepare and try and work your way up to an Olympic level. Okay. And, you know, he worked in a lot of the uh, the ongoing um the ongoing world issues that were that people were tackling just from the Great Depression and the rise of Hitler and how that kind of integrated in some in some varying capacities into their development as a team and just working their way to the Berlin Olympics. Wow. So it's a really good book. Yeah. But the writing style is very different from Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express. Yes. So yeah, I would it, think that would be quite a change. <laughs> yeah pacing and just the just the way that the story was written it took a lot to make that transition from his writing style to her writing style but i mean both are good books and i enjoy them it's just a difference in the writing style and what they're focusing on like our library has the book yeah, itself yeah i remember was, yeah i want to say it was written a few years ago or so uh -huh. so seen it on the shelf and i'd heard some reviews about it and some of the patrons had talked about it, saying they enjoyed it. I was bored at one point, and on Libby, <laughs> I was scrolling through, and I was like, oh, I remember hearing about this book. Well, I should try this. We have very different so, instincts, you and I, because you're you're like, I'm bored. I think I should read a book about competitive rowing. I, I don't think that <laughs> my mind would have instantly jumped to competitive rowing as a cure for boredom. But, you know, good for you. Find something that works. Yeah, yeah. It is really good. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I miss about not actually being in the library and being in the building, I, I just, I love seeing the new books come in. You know, I love to, I love to flip through. It's one thing to order them and, you know, read the, read the descriptions and all that, but to actually see them come in and flip through, it's really how I've discovered a lot of my favorite authors just, uh, you know, doing a book return or something and being like, oh, this looks good. This looks good. This looks good. Just makes my mm -hmm. stack higher and higher and higher. So, of course, I'm, I'm doing nothing to uh, dig away at that right now, because as I said, I'm reading, you know, dime store kind of novels, but right, right. you, you got to do what you got to do, I guess, you know. Yeah, I mean, reviewing, going back and reviewing nostalgia is a good yeah. thing. Yep, yep, yep. A little comfort food. A little comfort food never hurt there anyone. You what about, uh, are you, you're not much of a video game player, though, right? Or are you? So I do I do play video games, not okay. as much as I used to. All right. I was working through the the newest Star Wars game. Yeah. 
Fallen Order, yeah, I believe okay. it's called. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah, I'm playing that right now. Okay. Well, I won't spoil anything because I don't know where you are. Okay. But it is really enjoyable. I like the, the character arcs that they're working on. And I like especially that they they brought in characters that you're completely unfamiliar with so that they could make up a, new, a brand new storyline yeah. and then follow through with that and sort of develop things from there. And the graphics are just stellar. They are, um, you know, but I think it's something that, something that I, one of my complaints about this game is that I agree with you on, on look and storyline and characters. I think those are all great, but I feel like some of the mechanics of the game feel like a game that would have come out like 10 years ago. You know, I, I, like, I find a lot of frustrating places where it seems like, well, I should be able to jump there. Like I can jump that far. Oh. I should be able to jump to that or I should be able to like walk over that. And there's just a lot of things like that that put me off a little bit. Have you find that at all? Or are you? I have found that on several occasions. Yeah, right. And it's weird. It, it's very frustrating because you're is. like, I know my character has this capability. Yes, exactly. But because of where I am and because of the way that they've developed the game, they're not making it a possibility. Yeah. Which is right. very it, frustrating. It is frustrating and it's kind of sloppy. And that's that's why I say a game that came out 10 years ago. I mean, now, if you play something like the Uncharted series, have you played any of that? I haven't played any of that, but I've heard of it, yeah. That's, that's one of my all-time favorites. And a lot of the kinds of things that you do in there, it has, they're not similar games, but there's a similar vibe in there. So when you're when you're going through exploring these like deserty worlds and stuff, I think about, you know, Uncharted 1, which is so much older than this, mechanically is so much better. It just seems like Disney has enough money to to make a really top-notch Star Wars game. So I'm puzzled as to why they would leave some of these things that were so far beyond. But, you know, it Perhaps doesn't... they put all their money in graphics. Maybe be. Maybe. It doesn't ruin the game, <laughs> but, it's a, but it's a criticism. It, have you played uh, any of the other older Star Wars games? I grew up playing Jedi Starfighter, which was okay. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed a lot because that one is also co-op. Yeah. So, whereas I feel like with most of the other Star Wars games, the only ability that you have to actually play with another person is when you're facing off and you're just lightsaber dueling. Yes. Which is fun to a degree, but it's really nice to be able to have a game where you can actually co-op and be able to work on a different scenario together, yeah. as opposed to let's let's just fight each other again yeah. and again. Yep. And again. <laughs> The one with Corrin Horn, I forget what it's called. Is it just like Jedi Order or? Uh, I mean, there's there's Jedi there's Jedi Outcasts and there's Jedi Academy. That... I don't know. There's there's so many. I those that Jedi Outcasts and Jedi Academy were ones when I was in college. Again, just just like uh, the the Star Trek card game, <laughs> playing uh, Star Trek Voyager, Elite Force, and or Star Wars Jedi Academy over the network so like the whole floor was playing that was like our that was our go-to so we played those constantly and the fun thing about that is when you have so many people you you can do a cooperative like capture the flag mode or something and and really work together and that is way more fun but i think there's been a lot of great star wars games over the years what was the first one you played i played one when i was in like (laughs) elementary school that was that was dark forces or something like that and it was very early in like the the computer graphic era uh, but I still remember, like, gotcha. you'd, you'd go through, like, a level with sort of like the trash compactor, and you'd have, like, the Dianoga pop up right in front of you, and it freaked me out every time. Like, we'd be playing the <laughs> level, and it was all dark, and they'd pop right up in the screen, and I'd be like, ah! <laughs> you know, because it was, just, it was intense. But uh, those, and then on consoles, the only one that I ever really got into was um, Podracer. You know, I, oh, I, right. I didn't really like any of the like Shadows of the Empire. I, I didn't really like on console. So yeah, I but and then then it was like Jedi Outcast, Jedi Academy. Yeah. I loved the Force Unleashed games. Did you play those? 
Ooh, those were good. So I really liked the first one. The second one I did not like as much. Okay. I felt like rescuing Juno was just like the opening to the game. Yeah. And you race through the entire process and you're like, yes, I rescued her. Now we're yeah. going to move on to the big mission. Yeah. And they're like, and the game is done. Yeah. And you're like, wait, wait. Yeah. Well, I think I think the thing is like story wise and plot wise, they kind of mind everything in the in the first game. So yeah, I was just happy to have more levels to play, so I was kind of okay with it. But I I agree. Uh, Xbox, so I have an Xbox One, and, and and on the Xbox Gold, they do three free games a month. And for a while, they were doing a lot of Star Wars games. So I started playing Republic Commando, which I love. I think oh, that's a re- that's an old that. one, but I love that one. Um, I love that game. Battlefront was one of them. Uh, which I played awesome. o- only the multiplayer with my brother a little bit. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic was on there, and Starfighter as well, which I'd never played before. So I've been rediscovering some of the uh, some of the really old games too, with with the Republic Commando really standing out as as a top. I think their intention had been to make a new one, or at least they left they left the game open so that they could. I won't spoil the ending, but um, I wish they would make another one. Yeah, that would be fabulous. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. Well, it seems like. I don't know. I don't really think the response to Fallen Order has been all that positive. Like, I don't think it's been overly... Yeah, I've heard views. Yeah. yeah. Some people like it. Some people are like, eh. It's not it, that... Like, the graphics are great, but meh. I feel like you could do better. It certainly didn't make a splash, I would say. You know? Like, it, it came out, and it was something that I think should have been a huge deal, like a new Star Wars game. And it was just oh, yeah. sort of like, eh, there it is, you know? Kind of like the new Avengers game that's coming out. I, I mean, there's some excitement over it, but I think people are more just sort of like, okay, let's see. You know, because historically, superhero games, I don't know, in, in recent years, especially the ones based on movies, have not been good. But Yeah, it's unfortunate, too, because, I mean, there's so much hype in terms really of movies. I know. I think it's weird that there's, a, that there's a, I don't know, a, a, just a total lack of superhero games for the most part. Like, all you really get is Lego, you know? Like, it's weird to me that there's not a, a Justice League game, not since PlayStation 2, you know, that there's not, you know, anything like that. It's It's been multiple generations of systems ago since there was any kind of steady output of superhero games, which is weird considering that they're, like, basically the number one thing in movies and, and TV, really. It's just yeah. a, it's yeah, a weird, true. untapped market that I don't quite understand and probably has things to do with, you know, more to do with licensing than than anything mm-hmm. else, but... Probably has a lot of licensing, but it you got to wonder too. I mean, in the culture's mindset, who wouldn't want to necessarily just be their favorite superhero for I know. a period of time? I know exactly. Well, so, listen, I bought a, a, like a used PlayStation Two just so that I could play Justice League Heroes. That's the only reason why, and that's oh, nice. about the only game that I've played on that. But um, I'll tell you what, I do really want to play. Listen, I don't know why we're talking uh, about superhero video games, but we are, <laughs> and I think we just lean into it. <laughs> But uh, what I really want to play is Ultimate Star Alliance. Wars. Yeah, somewhere. There's some we- trajectory we can trace. But oh, okay. I loved the X-Men Legends games back on, like, I played them on yep. Game GameCube and then Ultimate Alliance on the Wii. Uh, and finally, there's an Ultimate Alliance 3, but it's Switch only. And I don't have a Switch. Oh. So this so is the problem. When they, yeah. when they trade different systems yeah. that they make games for. Yeah. Just like now I have to go buy it, which I realized I realized it's a marketing ploy. Yeah. And they were they're like, Well, we make them buy this system if we take this game and transition it to this system because yeah. everybody wants this game. Yeah. So yes, um I played the first and the second Ultimate Alliance games and I did really enjoy them because you can transition between characters and you could co op them, which is a lot of fun. And there's a lot of communication that you can have about if you do this, then I can yeah. do this, which is great. 
and I love that ability to kind of partner up with people yeah. more more than just two. Just fun. I, yeah, I agree. But I agree. I love co-op games. Unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate that and they're got, making it for Switch. And you and have to kind of wonder, you know, like with Disney owning absolutely everything now, including Marvel and those Marvel characters, I kind of wonder mm-hmm. if maybe they just, you know, they put it on Nintendo because it's like a safe bet. Whereas if they make it on, you know, PS4, PS5 or whatever, then they're sort of like, you know, letting Sony, the, uh, who's a major competitor of, of like Disney, well, not anymore really, but <laughs> used to be, um, you know, I wonder if it's like they don't want Sony to have, those characters you know they don't want to like i don't know you know you just kind of wonder with like this is the problem with monopolies amanda i know (laughs) (laughs) this is very true well uh i i guess did we cover everything that you've been reading we got so far uh, off track you got boys in the boat and you got uh murder on the orient express that's your list right now well again kind of diving back into what you had said about just rereading old classics that you really enjoy i'm going back to um magician's nephew at some point i'm pretty sure oh Okay. Well, of course, if I read Magician's Nephew, I'll probably end up going through the whole Narnia series again. It's like yeah. The mouse cookie. But I was just going to say that. I was literally just going to say that. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, I'll probably end up rereading the whole series. So next time we talk, I'll probably be at the end of Last Battle. We'll okay. See. Nice. All right. I was just talking about this series. Uh, we, we did the Dragnet episode last week, and, and we did a little uh, live, live stream with the cast before, and we got to talking about audio dramas. Uh, which mm-hmm. which had made a comeback in a huge way with with the you know narrative podcasts and that sort of thing, but I was saying that um, one of the audio dramas that I got really into when I was I guess in high school would be these BBC produced versions of the Narnia series, full cast of characters and sounds and that sort of thing, going through the whole Narnia series, and they were just okay. expertly done. So that's cool. So so when was the last time you read these books? Um, I probably reread at least one of them at least once a year. Okay. Uh, I don't typically go through the whole series, but intermit. Let's say intermittently. Okay. <laughs> Going back to your your BBC production, Libby also has the Lord of the Rings on there in really? like a full a play production uh-huh. with a full cast of characters and uh, differing uh, special effects sounds and whatnot that are kind of added in. It's, okay. And music and everything. So it's really good. If you if you haven't done that, you should. Uh, totally nice. get onto that train okay i i uh, eric was making fun of me for this in, in past weeks but i have a lot of uh star trek ebooks but they're only on cassette <laughs> and so we were doing a, <laughs> yes <laughs> we were doing a, a deep space nine book for my for my star trek star wars book club i didn't have a physical copy of it i tried to interlibrary loan it before we sh- shut down and it didn't come in time so i only had this uh cassette and it does have like sounds and everything and it's read by uh, renee ebersonois who played odo on that show but the only oh. way i had to listen to it was uh, in r2d2 walkman so <laughs> i you know i popped the That's cassette fabulous. i popped the cassette in my uh, my r2d2 walkman and just clipped it to my belt and uh, listened to a Star Trek Deep Space Nine audiobook cassette on an R2-D2 uh, cassette player. And I thought, this is the dorkiest I've ever been. <laughs> but, it would have been it would have been more dorky if you had somehow been made, if you had somehow been able to add in Harry Potter and Lord true. of the Rings. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. But I, I was doing that while playing Quidditch and wearing the ring. Oh, it does. That... All right. There you go. Okay. Yes, that counts. Cool. That's perfect. Woo. All right. <laughs> all right, Amanda, are you ready for what, what we're all here for today? Our star Wars day special book club on star Wars, the approaching storm by Mr. Alan Dean Foster. <laughs> Thank you.
presents Author Spotlight. This book is got kind of an interesting history. This was written in between The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, and it was meant to sort of, you know, lead into Attack of the Clones. The planet, I guess, that they're dealing with, Ancien, is um, mentioned in Attack of the Clones, and you sort of start that movie with, with Anakin and Obi-Wan coming off a mission. So this book tells the story of that mission. Uh, Amanda, you, you've read this book, you said twice at least, right? Uh, yeah, at least twice. So did you read it back when it first came out? Um, it was around that time period, I would say. Okay. At least, I can't remember if I read it after Attack of the Clones had come out, and okay. then it had been developed, or if sometime before. Like, I'm not... <laughs> Timeline, I'm sure. not clear on it. Well, part, one of but... the interesting little factoids is um, Count Dooku is in this book, in, in a very minor way, but he is in this book, and... You would have, this book came out before Attack of the Clones, so this is kind of the introduction of Count Dooku, which is, yeah. you know, an interesting little curio. When we had Alan Dean Foster on the show, we were interviewing him about his Star Trek and Star Wars um, work, as well as a lot of his original things like Ice Rigger. And this one came up particularly because since he'd written the original novelization, the first original novel, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, uh, oh, yes. this book, The Approaching Storm, as well as the novelization of The Force Awakens, he has kind of a unique place in the Star Wars history and that he has been, you know, played a role in every one of the major eras. And I can't think of another author who's done that. So it's kind of a unique situation for him. But we were asking him about, um, that's episode 225, if I didn't say that. Episode 225, interview with Alan Dean Foster. Uh, check that out. But he was saying that with the first, the novelization and Splinter of the Mind's Eye, um, that it was kind of like, here's a script, go nuts, you know, and there wasn't a ton of oversight. There wasn't really like, uh, here's all the things you can do, here's all the things you can't do. Um, with Splinter of the Mind's Eye, it was written to be something that they could make a very low-budget movie out of. So have you read Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Amanda? I did a really long time ago, yeah. and I remember, like, at that point when I had read it, it was well into the Star Wars saga, yeah. and I knew a lot of the storyline story and everything, so going back and reading it, after I knew so much of the story, it seemed it seemed almost like it didn't fit. Oh, it but doesn't. I realized, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. You know, that's what's fun about it. It was the case of that it was one of the earlier, or I guess one of the earliest. It's, in very, this case. it's the very first, like after after the uh, after the A New Hope. This is the first thing that happens. Yeah. First Star Wars sequel. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very clear that it was just the, the world is wide open. Make it what you will. Yeah. And, well, you know, he, he takes that and he goes with it. He does. Which, he does. And he did a good job, but it I took agree. a lot of – it went in a very different trajectory as time went on. So He said on that one, um, the, the only directives he got were, like, we don't have Harrison Ford. We don't have any money. So write a story <laughs> that will cost nothing and features very few characters. So you really only get Luke and Leia. Um, right. And there's clearly an attraction between them. Right, which right. is problematic, as we know, and yes. and it's all on sort of a murky backwater planet. So, like, you need a fog machine, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher, and you can make this movie. Uh, sure. So that's kind of funny to read that. And there's actually a pretty good um, graphic novel adaptation of it uh, that Marvel put out, which is on uh, Marvel Unlimited. If anybody okay. out there wants to check that out, but that's pretty cool. But he was very free on those. He said that um, the approaching storm was the least fun to work on because there was so much oversight and like going and sitting with committees of people and discussing all the things you can and can't do, um, going out to Skywalker Ranch, going back and forth on this. Um, 
And so he that said, would this, be really hard. To yes, author. he said this like one was your artistic ability is just kind of stunted in so many yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, because because you're you know you're you're really you're just so limited. And I yeah. think that you know he was he had a good mindset to do that because he'd done so much, um, so much work on, on novelizations and adapting existing media and that sort of thing that he was kind of an old pro at it was able to navigate it. But he said it was by far the least enjoyable of the ones that he had to work on. And he said that you know with with uh, Force Awakens he he did have to really strictly adhere to the script and everything. Um, so it was just kind of interesting to get that perspective. Um, he also said that he'd wanted to tell a story about a female Jedi, uh, which mm-hmm. he did get a chance to do. Um, and that that was something that he was really proud of. But Amanda, uh, I mean, you're an old pro at, at this book now. So do you want to just, just like walk us through what happens in this book? And then we'll discuss a little bit. So essentially, Obi-Wan and Anakin, as well as our female protagonists, Luminara and Barris, are dispatched to this little backwater planet in the outer rim known as Ancien to try and help keep them in in the republic and so that they don't secede but of course of course our enemy the separatists they want ancien to secede not because it's this great planet or they have some inner military knowledge about it but if that one falls it'll be the domino effect for yeah, the yeah. other outer lying planets it's for a bit them of, it's a bit of a linchpin this is a crucial planet where both sides need a foothold so if the separatists get it it'll give the it'll give them the foothold as you said exactly so that they can springboard into gathering other planets to their their dark mm-hmm. um their dark ideals <laughs> um, so all of these all four, all four of these jedi get dispatched to this particular world and they're trying to unite both the the city dwellers and the the nomads of the planet because they have a lot of friction in between them yeah and naturally the separatists along the way are trying to thwart them either by kidnapping them and holding them for ransom or killing them or just trying to continue to divide the people in the city from the nomads and just stirring up unrest as time goes. So it's very interesting in that it's very much a kind of a journey sort of storyline mm-hmm. as opposed as opposed to like your standard Star Wars where there's a lot of space battles and a ton of lightsaber battles. Yeah. There's more a focus in some ways on character development and just them trying to get to where they are and naturally with Anakin being such a big uh, a big focal point of the Star Wars universe it's interesting seeing the varying character developments that occur with him as well and it's, even just before like attack of the clones cuz he's not he's not he doesn't have that uh, furthering love interest with Padme right. and you're not seeing his question back and forth of am I okay with the Jedi am I not okay with the Jedi and the start yeah. of the clone wars and all that t- um, entails I thought it was kind of interesting, and I wanted more of this, but I thought it was kind of interesting to see him with another Padawan, because mm. we don't really, I'm trying, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't really remember much with Anakin dealing with people who are sort of on his level as far as, like, the hierarchy of the Jedi. I can't think of really any other characters that he's like that with. Can you? So there is a series, it's called Jedi Quest, Okay, which is where he's... I don't know, like a very early teenager-ish, and he's training at the Jedi Temple and going on missions at times with Obi-Wan and interacting with other Padawans. So there is some interaction in that regard, but it's a series for like a, a younger generation. Okay. It's not it's not like adult books or anything, uh-huh. but you do get an idea of just some of the things that he's dealing with and the frustrations that he has of being an older Padawan 
and knowing his, you know, knowing his roots and knowing his mom and some of the difficulties that he has in making that detachment from his mom and yeah. integrating into the Jedi Academy or not Academy, uh, the Jedi Order. Yeah. And just trying to make friends, but finding it difficult and feeling the the weight of being the chosen one and struggling with his own force powers and under under always that underlying simmering kind of frustration yeah. and anger that he's always dealing with. Uh, I'll I'll tell you one of my frustrations with this book, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, you know, just uh, I guess I should just say it at the top. I did not particularly enjoy this read of this book. Okay, I. And I think the reason for that is I like I like Luminaria and I like Barris and I, I think I would have preferred a story that just focused on them because it sort of felt like reading the book and just talking to Alan Dean Foster, it seemed like that was really what he was more interested in as well. And so I think if they would have just leaned into that and maybe not even had Obi-Wan and Anakin, like I, I might have I found the uniqueness of that a little bit more intriguing. But ultimately, I felt like this book was a lot of people sitting in rooms talking about stuff. <laughs> you know? Yes. Would you agree? I agree, yes. Okay. Just say, I think it depends on how how invested you are into like the geopolitical landscape of, of the two different factions yes. here going at it, uh, trying to, you know, trying, trying to secure this planet. Um, if that's, if that political element is something from this era that you really get into, then I think there's a lot here to dive into, but I felt like without a true central character and without really a, a identifiable villain, I mean, sure you have the huts and you have people, pulling strings and things, but I don't really feel like this had a true nemesis. It was more about diplomacy, really, than than any sort of, mm. like, good versus bad. I just felt like those things, a lack of those things, I guess, took away urgency that I think you might have felt otherwise. So I was a little like, okay, let's, uh, can we stop talking about this and maybe, like, get into it but th that was that was a frustration i had throughout the book but this is your second reading so i mean you you have an alternate take um so i did i i was surprised at how quickly i often forget the political aspects of this yeah. book yeah. Through it, you're right you go back and forth and you're like all right we're on the plains and we're we're riding out on incian and we're talking about various things and then we switch back to the separatists and they're being very political and they're talking about how to handle things and they're dealing with the inner workings of their own political issues and just wiping individuals who are in the way of their own personal gain, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Yep. So it's, yeah, it is, there is a ton of politics in this particular book. And I did find that a, I did find that to be rather bogging, bogging yeah. down the storyline yeah. somewhat frustrating. And it was kind of like slogging through in a lot of different ways. I mean, I I enjoyed it in some ways because it I enjoyed the character arc when they were on those aspects of things, but it was a little difficult to just slog through the mire of the political yes. aspects of the Star Wars universe. I was you like, know, I had forgot. <laughs> it it sort of felt like to me like this whole novel could have been condensed into a B plot of a more like ad true. adventure filled story. You know, if you have some Agreed. other thing going on where there's a, a, a true action and, and intrigue, and then you're sort of bouncing back and forth between these are boots on the grounds characters going in there and, and, and doing stuff, and this is sort of the uh, the behind the scenes 
discussions happening. I could see that kind of give and take working really well. But to me, I've seen that. I just, you know, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To transition. And I, I but have this to, was I, very politically heavy. Yes, it was. And I have to kind of wonder um, how much of that was Alan Dean Foster's hands being tied by what he was allowed to do and say and have the characters do and say in this book. Because, I mean, you got to remember at this point, the only Anakin Skywalker we've seen from this era is like a little baby Jake Lloyd. You know, <laughs> we, yes, you know, so we, we haven't seen Anakin like as a Padawan and it's possible that they wanted to sort of save that reveal and what that was like for the actual movie. So I, again, I don't know, but it just feels like knowing how many restrictions were placed on this probably had a greater impact on the kind of story that was able to tell. And it seems like the book suffered because of that. I wonder if they were trying to use it as a means of building his underlying frustration with like the Senate and everything. Yeah. Because there was so, like there was so much politics, and Barris and and he get into it oftentimes about how he's frustrated with the Senate and what they're doing, or especially what they're not doing and handling things. And he's very much of a we we clearly need to fix this, so let's be direct about it and go and do it. Yeah. Whereas, not that Barris is always this way, but she tends to be a bit more diplomatic in, in saying, "Well, you know, we need to take our time and actually talk to people. We can't yeah. just hit them over the head." <laughs> she Barris is in a in a, a duology called um, uh, Battle Surgeons. It's like the MedStar yes. duology. Have you read that? I have. I I like that series a lot. These it's are probably really okay. I was going to say the same thing. Those those are I think really. I mean, I have a I have a great affection for the Zan, like the Thrawn trilogy and all that. But I really think those those two books were the books that I enjoyed reading the most. I just liked seeing the I liked seeing Barris use her Jedi healing power. I liked being on the front lines of the battle and seeing everything from a totally different viewpoint. And the funny thing about those two books is they're just a complete polar opposite from this book here, The Approaching Storm. Yeah. And it's like yeah. you're kind of looking at the same thing, but you're going from a completely different direction. I will say we do have these Battle Surgeons books in the collection of the David A. Howe Public Library. So when the doors open up again, please come back and check them out. Amanda and I both recommend them. Um, yes. <laughs> what do you think, Amanda, taking this as it, as it was meant to be, as sort of a, a precursor to Attack of the Clones, set up for Attack of the Clones, do you think that there's much to glean character-wise out of what transpires in this book that would have helped going into Attack of the Clones? Like, is there stuff that you learn here that increases your understanding of what you're going to see in Attack of the Clones? Not, well, so from Anakin's perspective, I would say not a great deal. I don't think so. Just either. because I feel like a lot of that information is made clear in Attack of the Clones. Yes. I feel like if you gain any information about characters, it's probably more about Obi-Wan because you see more of his his struggle of trying to be a good master to yeah. his apprentice and just try and help build him and develop him as a, as a fledgling Jedi, so to yeah. speak. So you see some of his frustration, but you also kind of see that mirrored in Luminara's observations of Obi-Wan and Anakin's interaction because, you know, she'll make comments like just in her head of being like, well, that's his Padawan and I would not do nearly as well, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, I I think that most of the information that you need, like going into Attack of the Clones, you wouldn't necessarily glean anything from this book in particular. Yeah. I would be hard-pressed to recommend this one. I don't think it's a particularly engaging read and I don't think it it says much new and that can be a challenge i think when writing 
when writing something that's that's dealing with established characters who are on a certain trajectory and you can't change that trajectory you're sort of you know you're penned in with what you can do in, in the best of situations and it sounds like writing this one wasn't the best of situations but um where others seem to find character moments and make it give you a greater understanding i just don't think that this one really succeeds in that way yeah i think it was more just trying to build up the political um aspect of things and show where there were shifts and where there was this that unrest underneath the way that the government or the the senate in this regard was handling all the different aspects of things and just sort of that fracturing you know that's the thing with with the prequel era like the politics stuff is just at the forefront you know there's just so much about it that that you have to grapple and that's that's a huge huge part of understanding and and enjoying uh those those movies if that's something that you're able to do and so i i understand why at this point like giving a more practical understanding of like what exactly this whole tug of war between uh between the two sides is i could see why they thought like well maybe you know flesh that out in a novel and give people a sense of the landscape going into the movie but i would rate this on the low end overall as far as a uh, uh, fiction for for this era yeah. do you have yeah. some what are some of your favorite books set in the in the clone wars era? i know we talked about battle surgeons and the med star um, so i really did i also like cestus deception a lot that was oh, okay. good i read that yep oh have you read um, dark rendezvous is that the yoda book yeah no yeah. no 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 i haven't but that is one that's on my list okay that one is really good so that okay. one's an interesting perspective in that it kind of follows padawans that you're completely unfamiliar with okay and jedi knights that you're also unfamiliar with and the only real character that you are familiar with is uh, is yoda because okay. he you know he interacts well and count dooku but sure. he's the bad guy of course um so it follows it follows their storyline, and interestingly, and I won't say who, but one of the characters ends up transitioning. Like you see her again from the Dark Rendezvous book, and she ends up being in the Order sixty six books, the Clone oh, Ones. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember, I can't remember the Karen Travis. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, yep. So yeah, her character ends up in there, and then just connecting with the clones and stuff. So it's interesting seeing her growth from the Dark Rendezvous book itself, which is a standalone, yeah. and then it's transitioning to the Kieran Travis Clone Wars books. Okay. But that one's, that, yeah, that one's a favorite. Um, I really like I, I, the first of the Republic Commando ones. I think it's called Hard Contact. That's uh, just yeah. all about the clone troopers. I love that one. That That's yeah. also really high on my list. Yeah, I like that series a lot, but I was it was frustrating a bit because I know she had intended to carry it out a bit further mm. and then sort of end it. But then when Disney took over and then started making uh, changes to the Mandalorians and everything, I think it messed with her storyline oh, a bit. Oh, sure, yeah. Having to, having to change it and then end it more abruptly than she had intended. Which was frustrating. That is frustrating. Uh, one of the more recent prequel era set novels that I really enjoyed was Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Did you read that one? Oh, yeah, I did read that one. I yeah. think that one's... And, and the audiobook is is really great. I mean, it's... The guy the guy who does the audiobook does a perfect Qui-Gon Jinn and even a really yes. good, like, Obi-Wan and, and, and Dooku as well. So it's it's really... I mean, it feels like it feels like an audio drama. It feels like a full cast audio yeah. drama, even though it's just a, a traditional audiobook with sounds. But that's really high on my list. I, I think that that's a, that's a really exceptional one from that era. Honestly, I usually enjoy the prequel era books more than I enjoy the prequel era movies themselves. <laughs> because I do think there's a lot of, 
of good stuff in there, you know, and, yeah. and, you know, some, some of these really skilled writers are able to go in and, and pull that out and really um, put that at the forefront. So I enjoy that. I never really got into the Clone Wars TV series, though. I really like Rebels, Star Wars Rebels. Both. I really enjoyed actually. Yeah. Did you, did you finish Rebels? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, okay. I'm going to, don't worry. Don't spoil it. I'm going oh, to. All right. I won't spoil. I just, I can't talk to you about it. Okay. Clearly. All right. Yes, that's true. <laughs> That is true. And for all the viewers or listeners, I should say, they, they also won't get spoilers. So yes. you're in luck. Yep. He hasn't seen the whole thing. You're safe. Did you, you are did safe. Did you watch any of the Clone Wars series? I have watched most of the first season, and I just, I don't know. I You know, the, uh, the, the drop in to a different spot in the timeline in each episode format of storytelling just mm-hmm. never really, never really clicked with me. Okay. I had enjoyed the Clone Wars series a lot, and I know that they have... They've actually brought it back for another ser- season. Yeah, they're going through it at the moment, I believe. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Haven't seen it, so <laughs> I have no idea how it goes. But I've heard it's supposed to be like a transition, almost in some ways, yeah. to rebels. Yeah, rebels. And uh, my, I was just talking about this with my brother Stephen, who's been on the show in the past. But he was a big fan of Clone Wars uh, and and the prequels in general. He he, I mean, he would say his top would probably be the Revenge of the Sith novelization, which is actually a very unique book in the star wars canon it's uh it, yeah. the storytelling is it really stands out from the other so that's definitely worth a read but he was saying that um he's really enjoying the uh this new season of uh clone wars and that there was a little bit of an arc that was focusing on um a side plot and he wanted to, to get back to the meat but overall um he he had nothing but positive uh remarks for the for the season so yeah, I, you I know really big on star wars and she said the same thing so it's one of those like, things that but, like sooner or later like i'll get around to and just sit down and buckle down and finish it all but uh so far we just haven't but <laughs> i mean i hear almost exclusively good things about it so you know yeah same so i'm i'm very hopeful yeah yeah all right well any, anything else you want to add about uh, our book club book today the approaching storm i i mean i wish that they had done more like you had said earlier i wish they had done more and made it more about luminara and barris just Agreed. because there was so much that was unknown yeah. about them yeah and could have they could have taken it to just sort of develop their characters yeah and it would have been it would have been really interesting to hear their backstory and how they got together and other missions they'd been on etc yeah but that's not the way it went so yeah we're stuck with this well, we, we do have this book in our collection. So once again, when you can come to the library, you can come in and check this out. If you've read this book, we would love to hear your comments. So you can put them right on the library's Facebook page uh, when we post the episode. It's David A. Howe Public Library on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, it's All the Book Show or uh, SoundCloud.com slash All the Books is where the uh, the audio feed is going to be. So please share your comments with us and, and we'll... Uh, We'll read, we'll read them along and, and, and do the book club that way. But anyway, uh, the Alan Dean Foster interview, uh, which we got a lot of interesting stuff from him, was back at episode 225. So you can check that at soundcloud.com slash all the books. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking to actor John Davey, who was best known for playing Captain Marvel in the 1970s live action Shazam series. But we talk about his film work. We talk about his time working uh, with Lucille Ball on The Lucy Show, uh, with uh, James Garner on The Rockford Files. A lot of interesting stuff about, like, you know, old school TV and film. Um, really interesting interview. So I hope you'll join us for that next week. But other than that, uh, I think for this episode, that's going to do it. Amanda, thank you very much for uh, filling in for a travel weary Eric. Thank you. All right. Well, that's going to do it until next week when we talk to John Davey. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.